0: Today we begin a new worship series, Love Gives. For the next four weeks, we will be talking about this dynamic about loving and giving. And the title of our series, or our sermon today is, No, Not Clanging Cymbals. Now, would you join me in saying that? No, not clanging cymbals. Pat, thank you for the, covering your ears, too. That was extra credit. As we prepare to read our scripture lesson today and as we seek God's illuminating grace, let us join together in prayer. Lord, open our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit, that as the scriptures are read and your word is proclaimed, we may hear with joy what you say to us today. Amen. Our lesson is... From Paul's letter to the Corinthians, his first letter, First Corinthians chapter thirteen. If I speak in the tongues of mortals and of angels, but do not have love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith, so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give away all my possessions and if I hand over my body so that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. But as for prophecies, they will come to an end. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will come to an end. Then I will know fully, even as I have been fully known. And now faith, hope, and love abide these three. And the greatest of these is love. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Have you ever had an aspiring drummer in your household? If you have, you certainly would know it. You would have heard her or him. The hearing may have started with fingers drumming on kitchen counters or on car dashboards. And then there, of course, there would have been drumming, air drumming, and with the appropriate sounds effects to go along with it. But the drumming may have changed. It might change from fingers then to drumsticks, drumming on a practice pad, or maybe a full drum set being crammed into a bedroom or placed in that room over the garage. Carolyn and my son Michael was such an aspiring drummer. It began with finger drumming on everything along with that, that air drumming. And then came a video game, Guitar Hero, with a set of electronic drums that interfaced with the game. Next came a drum pad for practicing with drumsticks, and then more drumsticks and more drumsticks. I'm not sure why he needed so many drumsticks. And then there were lessons, lessons. And before we knew it, a drum set had been crammed into Michael's bedroom. Somehow. But that wasn't the end. Whenever Michael would earn some money, he would upgrade his drum set. He added more and more and larger and larger and more expensive and louder cymbals. Carolyn and I knew the noise of clanging cymbals, and I suspect our neighbors did as well. In today's lesson, Paul writes about clanging cymbals, but there's no evidence he's talking about the teenager next door. Instead, Paul writes this, he says, If I, if I speak in the tongues of mortals and of angels, but do not have love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Amazingly, Paul is talking about the possibility that he could be a noisy gong or clanging cymbal. From the beginning of his letter, Paul is thankful to these uh, these Corinthians, these Christians in Corinth, that they recognize their spiritual gifts. But at the same time, he wants them to know that these gifts are a manifestation of the Spirit, as he calls them. They're given to all believers. And whether you know it or not, each of you, each of you, whether you're here in person or online or you're watching this as an archive service, each of you have spiritual gifts and they have been given to you for the common good. But about, but after talking about all these gifts, Paul shifts gears and he says, look, I will now show you something even more powerful. And at the end of chapter 12, Paul writes, But strive for the greater gifts, and I will show you still a more excellent way. It is this still more excellent way that Paul expands upon as he turns to the greatest prose on the nature of love in all of literature, whether it is religious or otherwise. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. In the last five months, I've been part of three worship services where today's lesson has been used. First, there was the time in a beautiful garden on a cloudless day, cloudless, sunny day at the wedding of Kristen in Grant in May. And then almost three weeks ago, my cousin selected this scripture for a service of death and resurrection for my aunt Blair Willis in Norfolk, Virginia that I officiated. And today is the third time. Who does not want to talk about love as we see a couple enter into the covenant of holy matrimony? Or even when we remember the way that God has touched our lives through a loved one like my aunt Blair Willis how she has loved and loved so many in so many different ways. But occasions like these were not the context for Paul's first letter to the Corinthians. Paul is writing to a church that he knew well. He had founded the church in Corinth and he had lived there for some 18 months. But Paul's letter testifies to the trouble to the trouble that the Corinthians were having in their community. The Christians in Corinth were really struggling, really struggling with what it meant to be the church of Jesus Christ and the body of Christ in the world within within that church and for the world. And while Paul is recommending a still more excellent way, Paul offers himself as an example of the kind of quality of character that he's trying to recommend. And he writes about the personal example of the importance of love in his own life. Paul begins with the gift that seems to have a high esteem among the Corinthians, the gift of tongues. Yet this highly valued practice is Just one example of what becomes a disturbing and noisy instrument without the simultaneous possession of love. Paul tells the Corinthians, even if he knows it, even if he knows all mysteries and all knowledge, and he has all faith, he will be nothing, nothing, unless he also has love. He says that love does not seek things for itself, seemingly seemingly the very opposite of what the Corinthians were doing. How is it possible that this man, the least of all the apostles, could exhibit these amazing qualities of love? The answer, not surprisingly, in Paul's writings is God, God alone. Although God is not explicitly mentioned in the 13th chapter, God is the source, the source of these yet silent but most powerful gifts. When I was a teenager growing up in Virginia Beach, I was less interested in playing an instrument and far more interested in sailing and surfing. I really wanted to be like the older teenager right next door. His name was Gray. And he would, was always seemed to be heading towards the oceanfront or to the outer banks to Hatteras Island to, to surf with that, a surfboard on top of his Volkswagen VW van. I wanted to be like, like, like Gray. Now, eventually, I bought a surfboard so that I could ride the larger waves of the Outer Banks and and when the storms really churned up the ocean on Virginia Beach. In fact, the board is right behind me. I bought it, well, a few years ago. But owning a surfboard doesn't make you a surfer. Even putting cool wax on it doesn't make you a surfer. Even paddling out into the ocean on your board, through the waves, getting out beyond the breakers doesn't make you a surfer. Nor are you a surfer if you sit out beyond the breakers and and you bob up and down predictably and slowly as the swells come into the beach. That's not a surfer. It's a whole lot easier to stay outside the waves than it is to begin to paddle forward and to commit to try to ride a wave. To be a surfer, you have to have some faith and you have to have some determination. And yes, you have to take some risk as you paddle out in faith as you try to catch a wave. You You must move from that safety zone of where it's calm and comfortable and you're sitting on your board to where the waves are rising up and they are increasing in power with so much power that they have the power to push you and your board towards the ocean, towards the beach. And only when you're riding the wave are you surfing. Now the word that Paul uses for love in 1 Corinthians 13 is the word agape, which is a willful and sacrificial an unconditional and self-giving love. Both surfing and loving have, have this, the, in a way, require faith. Both. They require the willingness to trust in a power that is both inside of you and outside of you. Surfing requires one to let go and to trust in the power of the wave that will, it will pull you and push you forward to the beach. Likewise, to love like Jesus. For us to love like Jesus, we must trust in the power of God to take our offering of time and talent and gifts and service and witness and to take them and to make them of eternal consequence. You see, both require you to move, to move both surfing and loving others sacrificially are calls are calls to action but the kind of love that Jesus and Paul are calling us to is faith in action on behalf of others and this is really where my surf analogy begins to fall apart you see surfing is a rather solo endeavor And there is lots of maneuvering and jockeying and competition to get the good ride on the good wave. But love, but love calls us to turn our attention from ourselves to taking action on behalf of others. Even faith and hope pale in comparison to the power of love. Agape leads us to a community like St. Stephen's to maturity and clarity and a fulfillment for all. It's the kind of love that that has to be chosen, chosen daily. It has to be prayed over and, yes, even studied and, and committed to and practiced and constantly used. Such love is designed to be freely shared with others. And when it is, it makes a whole community better reflect the love of Christ who is already here among us, among you and me. These are just some of the things that we'll talk about over these next several weeks as we talk about love gives. The truth is, love is made possible and is made available to you and to me by the power of the Holy Spirit. It is, though, on us in the Spirit's power to use that power that God gives us and to activate it and to use it. Yes, it takes practice. But it also takes a clear sense that each of us, each of us has the ability to share this love. Because you see, Christ has first shared it with us on our behalf through his sacrificial death for us and for the whole world. As the Gospel of John tells us, for God so loved the world, that he gave. God gave. God gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him may not perish but have eternal life. Sisters and brothers, what a gift we've been given. What a glorious and great gift that we have been given in Jesus Christ. And so how? How do we respond to that gift? by loving God and by loving others willfully, sacrificially, unconditionally with a self-giving love. Love gives and love never ends. And now, faith Hope and love abide. These three, and the greatest of these is love. Amen, amen, and amen.